we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Systems have been created by man in his search for security. And the search for security through systems is destroying man. Hello and welcome to episode 150 of Urgency of Change. This final episode in season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of extracts carefully chosen from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is Methods and Systems. Upcoming themes in Season 4 are Krishnamurti Schools, Doubt and Reincarnation. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School, an international boarding school offering a personalised, holistic education for around 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self-understanding, creativity and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org.uk for more information. You can also find daily Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on your podcast app, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on methods and systems has three sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Sanan, 1968, titled No System is Going to Help Us. First of all, is there a system? Please, a Think this out together. Is there a system, a method? Everybody says there is a method. Do this and do that, follow this guru, follow this path, follow, do, meditate this way, don't, you follow? A system, a gradual, step-by-step achievement, a mould into which you fit in, 
hoping at the end you are going to come to this extraordinary freedom which they all promise. So that's the first thing one has to inquire. Not verbally, but actually and break it down if it is not a fact. So that you will never, under any circumstances, accept a system, a method, a discipline. Please see, see the importance of the words which we are using. A system means acceptance of an authority which, who gives you the system. And following that system implies discipline. Doing the same thing over and over and over again, suppressing your own uh, revolt, suppressing your own demands, responses, and all the rest of it, in order to be free. Is there truth in? this whole business of a system. Follow this carefully, both inwardly and outwardly. And the Communist pro promises utopia. Or when the guru, when the teacher, the saviour says, do these things, you'll have heaven. with all the implications of it. I don't want to, we don't want to make it too complex at the beginning, it will become quite complex as we go along. But if you accept a system, whether it be in a school, in politics or inwardly, then there is no learning. If there is no communication between the teacher and the student in next school or in the university, when there is no distance between the professor and the student, then they are both examining, both looking, discussing. Then there is freedom to look, to learn. And if you accept a rigid regime laid down by some unfortunate guru, and they are very popular at the present time throughout the world. And you follow them. What actually is taking place? You are destroying yourself in order to achieve freedom, promised by another. Destroying yourself, not in the sense handing over yourself 
do something which may be utterly false, utterly stupid, has no reality in itself at all. So one must be very clear on this, right from the beginning. And if you are very clear, you, you have discarded it completely, you never go back to it. You understand, not only outwardly, you are not, you are no longer belong to, you no longer belong to any nation, to any ideology. to any religion, to any political party, because they all are formulas, ideologies that promise systems, and no system outwardly is going to help man, on the contrary. Systems are going to divide people, and that's what's happening in the world. And inwardly, to accept another as your authority, to accept the authority of a system. Do listen to all this. Please give your mind and heart to all this to find out. And inwardly, if you have a system, a formula, an ideology, then you live in isolation, in separateness. Therefore there is no freedom. So to understand freedom or to come by it, it comes, which comes naturally. It isn't something that you grope after and clutch or cultivate. When you cultivate something, it is artificial. And so, if you see the truth of all systems, method, there would be methods of meditation, methods of, uh, you know, all that, systems, method. When you see the truth of it, it has no value at all then. Therefore you have broken down one of the most 
one of the greatest factors of conditioning. When you see the truth that no system is ever going to help man to be free, when you see the truth of it, you are already f free of that tremendous falsehood. Right? Now are you free of that? Not tomorrow, not uh, in days to come, but actually. We cannot go any further till every one of us has understood this. Not abstractly, not as an idea, but actually see the fact of it. And when you see the fact of something, it's gone, finished, the truth of it. Can we discuss that? Not as an argument pro and against, but actually look at it, examine it, talk it over together as two friends to find out the truth of it. You understand what we are doing? Seeing the factors of conditioning, seeing it, not doing something about it, seeing it is the very doing of it. Right? If I see an abyss, I act, there is immediate action. If I see something poisonous, I don't take it, it's finished. The action is instantaneous. So do we see this fact that one of the major conditioning factors is this acceptance of system? with all the authority, with all the nuances involved in it. We say, I intellectually understand what you're talking about. The words are clear, perhaps the reasoning is fairly good, somewhat logical and so on and so on. I understand all that intellectually. But the, the actual 
action doesn't take place. I am not free of the systems completely. Now, how is this gap between the intellect and the action to be bridged? Is that clear? I understand very well intellectually what you said previously in this morning, but there is no actual freedom from that understanding. And how is this intellectual concept and action to take place instantly, right? Now why is it that we think we understand intellectually? Why do we place understanding intellectually first? Why has that become dominant? You understand my question? I'm sure you all, you all feel, I understand it intellectually very well what he's talking about. Then you say to yourself, how am I to put that into action? So the understanding is one thing and action is another. Then we battle to bridge the two. So, is there understanding at all intellectually? It may be a false statement which becomes a block, a hindrance. You see, look, watch it carefully. That becomes the system. You follow? The system is which everybody uses. Intellectually, I understand. And it may be utterly false. All that we mean is. I hear what you're talking about. Hear the vibrations of those words passes through my ears, and that's all. Nothing happens. It's like a man or a woman who has got plenty of money. Hear, hears the word generosity and feels the beauty. Feels vaguely the beauty of it. And it goes back to his, to his miserliness, to his ungenerosity. So, don't let us say, I understand. Don't let us say, I have grasped what you are talking about, or all would, what would be a factor, a truth, 
is that you have heard lot of words. Then the question is, why don't you see the truth that no system outwardly or inwardly is going to bring freedom, free man from his misery? Why don't you see the truth of it instantly? That is the problem, not how to bridge the intellectual grasp of something and then putting into action. Why don't you see the complete truth of this fact? What is preventing you? What's that? We believe in the system. Why? That's your conditioning. So your conditioning dictates all the time. So, unless you see the truth of this, one of the major factors of life which conditions man to accept a system. The class difference, the system of war and the system that promises peace, the, which is destroyed by nationality, which is another system the ideologies of religious as well as political, economic, all those systems. Why don't you see the truth of it? Because you have vested interest in them? If you saw the truth of it, you, you might lose your money. You might not get a job. You would be alone in a monstrously ugly world. So you consciously or unconsciously say, Joe, I understand very well what you're talking about, but I can't do it. Good morning, that would be the end of that. That would be most honest. This is one of the major blocks in the human mind which has accepted systems as inevitable. And these systems have been created man, by man in his search for security. And this search for security through systems is destroying man, which is obvious when you see outwardly what's taking place between the communist world and the <coughs> varieties of communism and opposed to capitalism. 
And the same thing is happening inwardly. My Guru and your Guru, my truth and your truth, my path and your path, my family and your family. And it is all preventing us, see, preventing us from being free. Being free, then your family may have a totally different meaning. Sex may have a totally different meaning. Then there may be peace in the world, not this division between man and man. So you have to have energy to see this thing. Which means giving your heart and mind to look, not with the with looking with words, with eyes filled with fear. The second extract is from the fourth talk in New York, 1974, titled Systems are not sane. Because we are going to go into matters that probably most of you have not delved into, that most of you probably have heard about the world, carried over from Asia and India, and it is a form of new excitement, a new sensation, something you would want to achieve. And I'm afraid meditation is something entirely different. So if we may, we will go into it rather hesitantly, carefully, not in very great details, but which you can fill them for yourselves. And perhaps you yourself can come upon that which is nameless, timeless, and which cannot possibly be put into words. So we are sharing this together. Not that it is a group meditation or a group therapy, which is rather terrible, but rather together we are going to take a long voyage. And to take a long voyage we must travel lightly. So, the first thing to realize in meditation is that there is no authority. that the mind must be completely free 
to examine, to observe, to learn. And so there is no following, no accepting, no obedience. You know, great many gurus from India have come to this country. Like great many missionaries have gone to the East, it is their turn to come now. And they are going to pollute your mind, as the missionaries have also polluted the other minds. These gurus, with their tradition, with their peculiar assertion wrought in tradition, their authority, which demands obedience, compliance, conformity, and with their groups, with their ashramas. It has become now in this country a form of concentrated camp. Now the word guru means, amongst many other things, one who removes ignorance, one who points the way, one who relieves you of your burden. The root meaning of that word, I have been told, means weight. And unfortunately, these gurus that come here give you their burden. They don't relieve you of your burdens, but they foist on to you their ignorance, their problem, their systems. And unfortunately, here, People are so gullible. Accept something that comes from the ancient country with their ancient culture and their mysterious religions, superstitions, beliefs and all that, rituals. And it would have been very good if you had never heard of that word, if you had not accepted anything. Then you could listen afresh. Then you would be able to examine the thing for itself. 
not what you have been told or your own particular experience or what you think it should be. And so the first thing is, if, I may, if one may point out, don't follow anybody in this matter, in the matter of the mind, in the matter of the spirit, in the matter of your heart. Don't follow a single person, including the speaker. And then we can look with fairly clear mind to find out if there is anything sacred in life, something holy. Every religion from the ancient of times has said that there is. And man has tried to find or invent through his thought, imagination, and of necessity, something really sacred. And in his search for it, he has created images, not only wrought by the hand, but also by the mind. Images of thought, images that have been born out of one's own desire and sentiment and the demand for comfort. And if we could this morning put aside all those images that thought has put together, then we can begin to find out in our journey if there is something that is beyond time, that is not put together by our feelings, by our neurotic beliefs, by our faith, Belief and faith have no place in meditation, nor imagination, because belief, faith and imagination can create illusion, a delusion in which the mind can be caught. And so again, if one is serious, every form of image, every form of belief and faith must be put aside, which is very difficult to think to do, because we want comfort, because we want something to lean on in the days of our sorrow, in the days of our darkness, 
When things are uncertain and miserable and confused, we, must, we think we must have faith in something. And especially, it becomes a necessity when inwardly there is such chaos, such trouble, such agony. And so faith in something, in a God, in a Savior, in an ideal, becomes almost an urgent necessity. But a mind that would go into this question of what is sacred and what is meditation must put aside the machinery that produces illusion. So, what is meditation? Not how to meditate, the how becomes rather childish as you will see presently for yourself. But what is meditation? The question itself becomes extraordinarily important. You know, there are various systems of meditation. There is the Zen meditation, which is The word Zen comes from the Sanskrit word dhyanam. And the Chinese weren't able to pronounce that word dhya, therefore made it into Zen. And there is that whole school of meditation, the Zen, based on tradition, which says you must have a very, very quiet mind. Therefore, practice, follow a system, discipline yourself, control yourself, be aware of every movement of your body. And you practice day after day. And there are many schools of Zen, which is not only that you must control your body, but also you must control your breath, and so on. Then there are many schools of yoga. I hope you are interested in all this. I am not. But unfortunately, you have to go through it. The word yoga, I've been told, means to join together. Join together the mind, the body, and that supreme self, 
And yoga also means skill in action. And it also means a system of any system that will help you to meditate. And there is the yoga of physical exercise, Hatha Yoga, which if you practice carefully, will help you to control not only your body, but also your mind and go beyond it. So there are all these systems invented by man to quieten the mind. The mind that is always chattering, restless. A mind that is always searching, groping after, demanding, asserting. A mind that is always centered upon itself. A mind that's violent, aggressive. And to make such a mind quiet, these systems are formed. And if your mind is mechanical, which it is, you will accept the mechanical part of the system, thinking that will give you something that the system doesn't offer. So you condition your mind according to the system, and through that conditioning, you hope to come upon something that is holy, that is enlightenment, that is truth. System implies a path to a particular goal. The goal being fixed and the, in practicing a system you come upon that goal. I hope you are all following this. The system is mechanical, is repetitive. And a repetitive mechanical mind, can such a mind ever find that which is living, which is not static, which has no place, which is, has no fixed abode, Can a system help you to hold the vast waters of the sea in your fist or the air in your hand? And yet all these practitioners and the makers of systems 
think that you must go through them. The speaker has discussed this problem with many of the gurus who came to see him. Not only in India, in Europe and here. And they all say, yes, you're perfectly right. But you're wrong because people need systems to help them. And there are the people to offer that help, either for a certain number of coins or because they are convinced that their method is the right one. But when one goes into it, one can see logically and with reason that a mechanical mind, as most of our minds are mechanical, readily accepts a mechanical system, whether it is Zen or other forms of traditional and non-traditional systems, such a mind eagerly accepts it. Because we cannot think freely. We cannot observe without our own particular forms of mechanical prejudices and habits. And when you see the illogical and the insanity of systems, because they're not sane, they're further make the mind more mechanical, more dull, more confused, because there are dozens and dozens of systems. You can spend your life going from one to the other, window shopping. But these systems can never free the mind, and freedom is absolutely necessary from the very beginning, not at the end. The dictators, the authoritarian governments, deny freedom, both outwardly and inwardly. It is considered something bourgeois, unreal. Because human beings are educated to conform mechanically through reward and punishment to live on this earth unhappily and to make the best thing of it. But thought is never free. Thought is old. Thought can never be new. It cannot bring freedom. Because freedom is necessary. Without freedom, you will, one lives in prison. Prison of one's own making or the prison of others. And so meditation 
demands a mind that's not caught in any system, however romantic, however pleasing, however desirable. Because who are you to choose among the so many systems? You will choose one that is most pleasant, naturally, that is most convenient, that is most comforting, that promises you something in return for your work. So your choice is based among all these systems, whether the Zen or the Hindu or the Buddhist or the Muslim or your own form of meditation, the Christian meditation, you will choose among all those. And the choice is based upon your own confusion, upon your own desire for further experience of delight and pleasure. So where a mind is choosing a system such a mind is a confused mind and systems do not clear the confusion but rather strengthen, narrow down that confusion. So meditation is the denial, the negation of all systems because you see the truth of it, because you understand the full significance of it, that you must be your own light and not the light of another. Nor can this light be come through another. You cannot light that light from the candle of another. If you once see the truth of it, then you will not follow a single human being. You will not follow any guru, any saviour, any priest with all their doctrines and traditions and their rituals. And that's going to be awfully difficult because we are afraid to stand alone. We are so used to being dependent on somebody to tell us what to do. The analyst, the psychologist, the priest, the Bible, the openness and so on, something to lean on. And as it is our education to grow in habits, and this habit of leaning, wanting comfort, wanting someone to tell us what to do, to deny all that, to negate all that, not violently, for 
In negation comes only when you understand it, when you see the logic, the reason, the sanity of it. And meditation is not something that you practice for an hour or ten minutes and the rest of the day do your mischief. Meditation is the whole of life and that is the beauty of meditation. It is not something set aside. It covers and enters into all our activities, into all our thoughts and feelings. And so it's not something that you practice or give attention to once a day or three times a day or ten times a day and the rest of the day live a life that is shoddy, neurotic, mischievous, violent. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Ojai, 1976, titled Methods Are Mechanical. Without order in one's life, without being totally moral in one's daily activity, how can you even think of meditating? You understand? You may sit cross-legged for the rest of your life, breathe in a certain way, which you have learned from that country, from India. You can sit like that for the next ten incarnations, million incarnations. You will never come upon that which is true, because your life is disorderly. Therefore you must bring order into that life, before you even think of meditating. If you do without having order, it's a marvellous escape, and therefore without any significance, without any meaning. Please do realise this. Meditation is the most marvellous thing, but not your kind of meditation. There must be order in our relationship, there must be order, and that can only exist when there is no fear, and order is not put together by thought. If it is put together by thought, then it will create further disorder. Please understand all this, it's your life. So, to find out 
or come upon that which is most sacred, most holy, there must be the found the, a life which is based solidly on order. And the importance of all meditations is to come upon that silence. Because biologically, physiologically, to see anything clearly, to look at these trees, the light on the leaves and the green grass and the hills, to see it clearly, your mind must be quiet, mustn't it? It is so simple, we make it so complex. To see anything clearly, to observe clearly, you must have a quiet mind, mustn't you? If you are chattering, 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 you won't see the tree, you won't see the depth of the shadow, the beauty of the of a trunk or a limb. So we can only see it when your mind is quiet. Right? See the fact of the reason of it, the logic of it first, that you can see something clearly only when your mind is silent. Or when you want, you cannot hear what somebody else saying if you are talking to yourself all the time. So if you want to hear somebody clearly, you, you're, you must be quiet. So silence is absolutely necessary to perceive outwardly and inwardly. Right? And the outward and the inward are the same movement, they are not different. Right? It's one unitary movement, but we have divided it as the inward and the outer. So by observing clearly the outer, you then discover the inner, and then see that it is one movement. And to see this clearly, you must look, observe silently. There are different forms of silence. We are investigating together the meaning of the world and the depth of that thing called religion. 
which is to find out if there is anything incorruptible, untouched by thought, which is not an illusion, which is not the projection of one's own desire. or an experience, but something that has never been touched by thought, something totally original. And to come upon that, we said there must be order in daily life, which is the essence of virtue. Right? There are different kinds of silence, aren't there? The silence between two noises. Right? And is that silence? There is silence between two thoughts. Is that silence? There is so-called peace between two wars. Is that peace? You are following all this? So what is silence? Is it put together by thought? Is it contrived? Is it something that's manufactured? Because you you understand if one is wants to see heaven in quotes, you must be silent. Therefore you say, How am I to be silent? Teach me how to be silent. So out of that desire to find out what is silence. People then begin to invent systems, methods, ways to come upon that. Now, if once you understand this, you will never touch any system. Because what is implied in a system and a practice? Repetition. Practice, 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 control. Make an effort, which is become mechanical. Our minds, as we went into the other day, part of our brain is has been has become mechanical. We said thought, in its essence, is mechanical. The thought is the repetition or the reaction of memory. And when you have already lived a life which is mechanical, and try to go beyond that mechanical life by introducing another mechanical process, 
which is systems, methods, practices, you are still mechanical. So when once you see the truth of this, the logic, the reason of this, you will never touch systems, methods, practices. So, anything that is contrived, put together by thought, however beautiful, however logic, however ancient, traditional, makes the mind more mechanical and eventually dull. So can one See the truth of it and reject, not rather, the very seeing of the truth of it ends the demand for systems, for methods. How am I to achieve? I hope you are following all this. So we are asking, what is silence? If it is not put together by thought, then what is silence? You understand my question? Because we said only when there is silence, when there is no noise, you can hear properly. When there is when you observe in observation, silence is necessary. When you are looking under a microscope. You must look silently, discover what there is. In the same way, to see clearly, you must be silent. To hear clearly, your mind mustn't be chattering. If you see the truth of it, then it happens. You don't have to make an effort to be silent. So we've said order, and the mind being mechanic, part of the mind being mechanical, by following any any method, system, practice, furthers the mechanical process of the brain, right? So what is that which is silent? So we look at it by examining what is awareness. You follow? To be aware. When you are sitting there, you are aware of the trees, the shadows, the light of the the light on the leaves, the movement of the leaves. Aren't you? If you are looking at the tree, you are aware of it. Can you look at it without verbalization? You understand? Just to look without naming it, 
without giving it a quality or description, just to observe. First, that is, we never observe. We look at it and say, how beautiful or how ugly, how useful, depending on our conditioning. And so we never observe things as they are. Now, can you observe, see this whole beauty of this land, all their hills, their quietness, their shadows, just to observe without any reaction? of thought, without any reaction of like and dislike, just to observe. That is awareness, right? Aware of the universe around you. Then be aware of the universe inside. 